Hey there, it is Nathan Agin. Welcome to The Working Actor's Journey, and I hope you're doing well out there today. We have our first comedy from the workshop presentations. This is from January 2021, and it is a scene from A Midsummer Night's Dream. The director is uh, James Newcomb, and uh, if you've listened to or watched the Troilus and Cressida scene, uh, he directed that, so he's he's back directing this. Uh, then uh, Helena is being played by Angie Bird, uh, and it was so much fun to have Angie be a part of this. I mean, you know, she said, I've played this role twice, uh, and I never thought I'd have a chance to play it again. It just didn't even occur to her. And she was just so phenomenal and so funny with it. I mean, you know, now that she can come back and look at it and bring, you know, all her experience and expertise and, and ideas and, and playfulness, uh, it was just hilarious. So, uh, you know, even though, you know, you usually don't see uh, an actress later in life playing Helena, God, she was so good. And when you, when you hear it, you're, you're gonna hear that clarity of, of the language and, and intention. And it doesn't matter that, you know, Angie isn't, you know, quote unquote, the right age for Helena. I mean, it was just really, really wonderful. So, um, uh, Angie's in it. Uh, we had, uh, also another professional actor, Michael Kirby played Demetrius. And then the two actors that signed up were, uh, uh, Maggie Velter as Hermia and Garrett Botts as Lysander. So, uh, that's, uh, that's the scene you will hear today. Now, I do want to mention that uh, we've just announced uh, the cast and creative team for Chekhov in the rehearsal room coming up uh, for this fall, 2021, uh, starting September 13th. So in our first ever session focusing on the work of Anton Chekhov, uh, we have selected a scene from Act Two of Uncle Vanya. And the great joy about these programs is that we get to spend so much time diving deep on a scene and characters. We can bring together lifelong professionals with newer and younger actors, and we can cast roles while totally being open to race and gender and age, you know, be really conscious of those things because we're not beholden to the same, you know, production elements or audience concerns or whatever that uh, a traditional theater might be. So, uh, and, and I'm thrilled that in this group, this new group for September, we get to bring in so many new professionals. Uh, so, as I've mentioned before, uh, Libby Apple, she's a former artistic director of Oregon Shakespeare. Uh, she's going to be directing the scene. Uh, the dramaturg is Allison Horsley, and Allison actually worked with Libby on her Chekhov translations. And Allison is based right now living in New Zealand, but, you know, because of uh, the technology, we can zoom her in and, and she can be part of this. Uh, Ursula Meyer is going to be uh, helping out with voice and Ursula had a connection with Libby through the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So they're happy to be working together again. And then the cast we have for Uncle Vanya, we have uh, Alberto Isaac is playing the professor. Deidre Henry is playing Sonia. Julie Lee is playing Marina. Howard Leader is playing Vanya. Sarah Mountjoy Pepka is playing Yelena and Corey Hetty is playing Astroff. And, you know, Alberto, Deidre and uh, Julie are all professional actors. Uh, really, you know, great. Have a lot of work behind them. Uh, and what's really awesome about this group, uh, Howard, Sarah and Corey, they're also working actors. Howard right now, uh, is working at the Utah Shakespeare Festival doing a couple roles, uh, in their season. Uh, Sarah is working. She's playing, speaking of Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, she's playing, uh, Helena, the role that you'll hear Angie do today. Sarah is playing Helena. 
at uh, Theatricum Botanicum uh, in their season. And then Corey, uh, this fall, is getting back into rehearsals for the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, I believe it is, uh, a show up in San Francisco. He was part of that cast before the shutdown. And Corey actually is working on that show with another one of our people, Jeffrey Wade. You know, Jeffrey's been uh, directing a lot of these workshops uh, and uh, he's on the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So uh, a lot of great connections. And it's just so exciting to see all these people working and, and doing their thing. But then, of course, you know, uh, since we're holding it on a Monday, tr- typically the night off, uh, Howard can be a part of it, even from Utah. So we have people coming in from Utah, New Zealand, uh, L.A., you know, all over the place. Uh, uh, Libby is uh, outside of uh, L.A. She's more in Central California. So, again, it's it's really cool that we can bring all these people together uh, and we don't have to try to, you know, see if it'll work to get them all in the same place on the same day and time. Now, as I've mentioned uh, previously, uh, the session to work with Libby is already sold out. Obviously, we get the cast out there, but there is still plenty of room to sit in on the sessions uh, as part of the audience. You can, uh, you know, be a fly on the wall and week after week, you know, listen to and hear the uh, dis- discussions and discoveries and observations from this group of professionals uh, as they explore this scene from Uncle Vanya. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just really fascinating. And of course, what we can do is, you know, even if you can't show up live, there is a replay you can watch, uh, you know, from week to week, uh, and, uh, you know, follow along, catch up with the stuff. And the fourth week, uh, as usual, is uh, kind of an open week for, uh, you know, audience, friends and family and, and other people interested in this stuff to come and see uh, the work in progress. You know, what has uh, developed and uh, what they're continuing to explore and work on. That fourth week, you know, isn't really a performance as much as it is just a continuation of the workshop. So that is uh, what we're doing with Chekhov. But again, today you're going to hear the full, that full final week uh, from A Midsummer Night's Dream with uh, James Newcomb directing. Uh, and uh, you can go back to the podcast or on YouTube and see previous workshops featuring Richard III. We got a number of scenes from that. Uh, King Lear, a couple scenes, and then Troilus and Cressida. So uh, I really hope you enjoy this workshop production. Come on back. We got a lot more to roll out. We got more stuff coming up ahead. Uh, you know, check, again, the podcast, YouTube. It'll be there. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to do more about getting at least some short snippets out on uh, other social media channels. But uh, here you can uh, listen in and find the full thing. So that is it. Uh, enough from me. You'll hear a little introduction, and then we'll get right into it. So here we go with the final workshop presentation from January 2021 of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you, everybody, for, for uh, uh, coming and, and uh, being here for uh, our presentation of Midsummer Night's Dream. My name is Nathan Agin. I'm the host and producer of The Working Actor's Journey and these workshops that we've been calling The Working Actor's Shakespeare. Uh, and these uh, workshops, uh, what we've been doing is over the past month, uh, these groups get together once a week. And really, the focus has been about the text. Uh, rarely do actors and artists have the opportunity to spend such an amount of time uh, on one scene. Uh, and yet, uh, all of them can attest that there is so much to explore in one scene. So that's been really fun to use this medium to be able to do that, um, uh, you know, in, in these scenes. And we have uh, a number of presentations this week, uh, Midsummer uh, Tonight, Julius Caesar on Wednesday, King John on Thursday, and as you like it on Friday. Uh, and, uh, by, by signing up, 
you know, we'll definitely let you know about uh, future workshops and, and other things, whether you want to get involved as an actor or as an attendee. Uh, and uh, we're also excited that we just recently uh, launched this coaching program that, uh, you know, for many of the uh, actors and artists that you see this week, uh, you can book time directly with them, whether you need to work on an audition, a Shakespeare piece, uh, acting in general, singing, uh, you know, so we have that system all over at the workingactorsjourney.com, uh, and you can book time directly with uh, many of the people you see. So, all right, I think, I think that's it for me. Uh, I will turn it over to, uh, Gideon Rappaport, uh, to share a little bit about this scene that you will see just to, you know, kind of bring you up to speed. Uh, and again, thank you so much for, uh, being here. Thank you, Nathan. I'm going to say <clears throat> 20 things about this play and then try to narrow it down to get us into this scene. It's a very lyrical play. Um, it's about the nature of love. It involves two pairs of lovers. Uh, um, the Theseus and Hippolyta mythical creatures, um, Oberon and Titania fairy creatures, and mechanicals, we won't see them tonight, and a play within the play called Pyramus and Thisbe. It combines Greek myth and English fairies and an idealized English court and local English workers, um, and it takes place in court and in the forest. So to set this scene, this scene is Act 3, Scene 2. We're in the middle of the play. Um, in the very beginning, Demetrius loves Helena, and Lysander loves Hermia. But Hermia's father wants Hermia to marry Demetrius instead of Lysander. And Demetrius now thinks, because of that, that he's in love with Hermia. Um, so Lysander and Hermia escape to the forest, to run off to an aunt uh, who will protect them from the the uh, forbidding father and king who want to separate them. And during the night, and then the other two lovers follow after them, one to chase Hermia and the other Helena to chase Demetrius. So they've spent the night in the forest. And while that's going on, um, the fairy king has dropped some, let's say, the the juice of a love flower into their eyes, and the result is they wake up, and the two boys, instead of now being in love with Hermia, are both in love with Helena, or we'll actually see one of them waking up. Um, And so the four, we what we're going to see is the four lovers in the forest after this night of magic juice in the eyes, uh, sending some people back to whom they should love and other people away from whom they should love. And the resulting hijinks is what we're going to hear. We're going to hear it in a highly rhetorical style, which in Shakespeare's time is not the enemy of naturalness or truth, but the opposite. It is the vehicle of deep emotion and strong feeling and truth. So um, prepare yourself for a highly rhetorical set of of uh, conversations um, of, among these four lovers. And I think that's all I want to say to set the scene. They're waking up in the forest after a night of confusions. Hi. Um, hi, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, I'm James Newcomb, and uh, uh, I, I uh, have been involved in, I think, 10 productions of 
of Midsummer Night's Dream, various kinds. I played Puck four times and, uh, uh terrifying. Anyway, um, you're about to see as Gideon set up, uh, what I think is the most physical of all of the scenes, uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream and a play that I believe is highly physical. Um, one of the challenges about working on this, uh, particular scene, uh, because it is so physical, um, was to try and get, as uh, Gideon said, the rhetorical aspects of this scene clear. One of the paradoxes about productions when it's on stage is that you can oftentimes lose part of the rhetorical aspects of the scene because it's over-physicalized or um, uh, mistakenly physicalized. So one of the things that we worked on was to try and use a language specifically to imply action, to imply movement, um, and see if we could stay, let the language carry us, uh, but also get a sense of physicality by using the language. Um, so that's what we worked on. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to sign off and, uh, Pass it over to uh, to the actors who uh, it has been a joy to work with. So, goodbye. Oh, why rebuke you, him that loves you so? Lay breath so bitter on your bitter foe. Now I but chide, but I should use thee worse, for thou, I fear, hast given me cause to curse. If thou hast slain Lysander in his sleep. Being or shoes in blood, plunge in the deep and kill me too. The sun was not so true unto the day as he to me. Would he have stolen away from sleeping Hermia? I'll believe as soon this whole earth may be bored and that the moon may through the center creep and so displease her brother's noontide with the antipodes. It cannot be, but thou hast murdered him. So should a murderer look, so dead, so grim. So should the murdered look, and so should I, pierced through the heart with your stern cruelty. Yet you, the murderer, look as bright, as clear as yonder Venus in her glimmering sphere. What's this to my Lysander? Where is he? Ah, good Demetrius. Wilt thou give him me? I'd rather give his carcass to my hounds. Out, dog, out, cur. Thou drives me past the bounds of maiden patience. Hast thou slain him then? Henceforth, be never numbered among men. Oh, once, tell true, tell true even for my sake. Durst thou have looked upon him being awake? And hast thou killed him sleeping? Oh, brave touch! Could not a worm an adder do so much? An, ammer, an adder did it, for with doubler tongue than thine, thou serpent, never adder stung. You spend your passion on a misprized mood. I am not guilty of Lysander's blood, nor is he dead, for aught that I can tell. I pray thee, tell me then that he is well. And if I could... What should I get there for? A privilege, never to see me more. And from thy hated presence part I so, see me no more, whether he be dead or no. There is no following her in this fierce vein. 
Here, therefore, a while I will remain. So sorrow's heaviness doth heavier grow for debt that bankrot sleep doth sorrow owe, which now, in some slight measure, it will repay, if for his tender here I make some stay. Why should you think that I should woo in scorn? Scorn and derision never come in tears. Look when I bow, I weep, and vows so born in their nativity all truth appears. How can these things in me seem scorn to you, bearing the badge of faith to prove them true? You do advance your cunning more and more. When truth kills truth, oh devilish holy fray. These vows are Hermia's. Will you give her or Weigh oath with oath, and you will nothing weigh. Your vows to her and me put in two scales will even weigh, and both as light as tails. I had no judgment when to her I swore. Nor none in my mind now you give her or Demetrius loves her, and he loves not you. <gasps> oh. Helen? Goddess, nymph, perfect, divine, to what my love shall I compare thine eyeing? Crystal is muddy. Oh, how ripe and show thy lips. Those kissing cherries tempting grow. That pure congealed white high Taurus's snow fanned with the eastern wind turns to a crow when thou holdst up thy hand. Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this, this seal of bliss. much injury. Can you not hate me as I know you do, but you must join in souls to mock me too? If you were men, as men you are in show, you would not use a gentle lady so. To vow and swear and super praise my parts uh, when I am sure you hate me with your hearts. You both are rivals in love, Hermia, and now both rivals to mock Helena, a trim exploit, a manly enterprise. To conjure tears up in a poor maid's eyes with your derision. None of noble sort would so offend a virgin and extort a poor soul's patience, all to make you sport. You are unkind, Demetrius, be not so, for you love Hermia, this you know I know. And here, with all good will, with all my heart, and Hermia's love, I yield you up my part, and yours of Helena to me bequeath, whom I do love, and will do till my death. Never did mockers waste more idle breath. Lysander, keep thy Hermia. I will none. If e'er I loved her, all that love is gone. My heart to her, but as guestwise sojourned, and now to Helen is home returned, there to remain. Helen, it is not so. Disparage not the faith thou dost not know. 
lest to thy peril thou abiet dear. Look where thy love comes. Yonder is thy dear. Oh, dark night that from the eye his function takes, the ear more quick of apprehension makes, wherein it doth impair the seeing sense, it pays the hearing double recompense. Thou art not by mine eye, Lysander, found. Mine ear, I thank it, brought me to thy sound. But why unkindly didst thou leave me so? Why should he stay whom love doth press to go? What love could press Lysander from my side? Lysander's love that would not let him bide. Fair Helena, who more engilds the night than all yon fiery o's and eyes of light. Why seek'st thou me? Could not this make thee know the hate I bear thee made me leave thee so? You speak not as you think it cannot be. Oh! She is one of this confederacy. <gasps> now I perceive they have conjoined all three to fashion this false sport in spite of me. Injurious Hermia, most ungrateful maid. Have you conspired? Have you with these contrived to bait me with this foul derision? Is all the counsel that we two have shared the sisters' vows, the hours that we have spent when we have chid the, the hasty-footed time for parting us. Oh, is all forgot? All school days, friendship, childhood, innocence. We, Hermia, like two artificial gods have with our needles created both one flower. Both on one sampler sitting on one cushion, both warbling of one song, both in one key. As if our hands, our sides, and voices, and minds had been incorporate. I mean, so we grew together like a double cherry, seeming parted, but an union in partition. Two lovely berries molded on one stem. So with two seeming bodies, but one heart. And will you rent our ancient love asunder to join with men in scorning your poor friend? It is not friendly. Tis not maidenly our sex as well as I may chide you for it, though I alone do feel the injury. I am amazed at your words. I scorn you not. It seems that you scorn me. Have you not set Lysander as in scorn to follow me and praise my eyes and face and made your other love, Demetrius, who even but now did spurn me with his foot to call me goddess, nymph, divine and rare, precious, celestial? Wherefore speaks he this to her he hates? And wherefore doth Lysander deny your love so rich within his soul and tender me, forsooth, affection? But by your setting on, by your consent, what well, though I be not so in grace as you, so hung upon with love, so fortunate, but most miserable to love unloved, this you should pity rather than despise, 
I understand not what you mean by this. I do. Persever. Counterfeit sad looks. Make mouths upon me when I turn my back. Wink each at other. Hold the sweet jest up. This sport well carried shall be chronicled. If you have any pity, grace, or manners, you would not make me such an argument. But fare you well. Tis partly my own fault, which death or absence soon shall remedy. Stay, gentle Helena. Hear my excuse, my love. My life, my soul, fair Helena. Oh, excellent. Sweet, do not scorn her so. If she cannot entreat, I can compel. Thou canst compel no more than she entreat. Thy threats have no more strength than her weak prayers. Helen, I love thee. By my life I do. I swear by that which I will lose for thee to prove him false that says I love thee not. I say... I love thee more than he can do. If thou say so, withdraw and prove it too. Quick, come. Lysander, where to tends all this? Away, you raven's claw. Oh, no, no, no. He'll seem to break loose. Take on as you would follow, but yet come not. You are a tame man. Go. Hang off, thou cat. Thou burr, vile thing. Let me loose. Or I will shake thee from me like a serpent. Why are you grown so rude? What change is this, sweet love? Thy love? Out, tawny tartar, out, out, loathed medzino. Hated potion hence. Do you not jest? Yes, sooth, and so do you. Demetrius, I will keep my word with thee. I would I had your bond, for I perceive a weak bond holds you. I'll not trust your word. What? Should I hurt her, strike her, kill her dead? Although I hate her, I'll not harm her so. What? Can you do me greater harm than hate? Hate me? Wherefore? Oh, me! What news, my love? Am not I Hermia? Are not you Lysander? I am as fair now as I was erewhile. Since night you loved me, yet since night you left me. Why then you left me? Oh, the gods forbid! In earnest, shall I say? I, by my life, and never did desire to see thee more. Therefore be out of of question, of doubt, be certain, nothing truer, tis no jest that I do hate thee and love Helena. Oh, me! You juggler, you canker blossom, you thief of love, what, have you come by night and stolen my love's heart from him? Oh, fine, faith. Have you no modesty, no maiden shame, no touch of bashfulness? I mean, what will you tear impatient answers from my gentle tongue? Fie, fie, you counterfeit, you puppet, you. Puppet? Why so? I that way? 
I goes the game. Now I perceive that she hath made compare between our statures. She hath urged her height, and with her personage, her tall personage, her height forsooth, she hath prevailed with him. Are you grown so high in his esteem because I am so dwarfish and so low? How low am I, thou painted maypole? Speak, how low am I? I am not yet so low, but that my nails can reach unto thine eyes. I, 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 I pray you, th- though you mock me, gentlemen, let her not hurt me. Uh, I was never cursed. I have no gift at all in shrewishness. I, I'm a right maid for my cowardice. Let her not strike me. You perhaps may think because she is something lower than myself that I can match her. Lower again? Hark! Good Hermia, do not be so bitter with me. I evermore did love you, Hermia. Did ever keep your counsels, never wronged you. Save that in love to unto Demetrius I told him of your stealth unto this woods. He followed you for love, I followed him. But he hath chid me hence and threatened me to strike me and spurn me, nay, to kill me too. And now, so you will let me quiet go, to Athens will I bear my folly back and follow you no further. Let me go, you you see how simple and how fond I am. Why, get you gone. Who is that hinders you? A foolish heart that I leave here behind. What, with Lysander? With Demetrius. Be not afraid. She shall not harm thee, Helena. No, sir, she shall not, though you take her part. Oh, when she's angry, she's keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she be but little, she's fierce. Little again? Nothing but low and little? Why will you suffer her to flout me thus? Let me come to her! Get you gone, you dwarf! You minimus of hindering not grass made, you bead, you acorn. You are too officious in her behalf that scorns your services. Let her alone. Speak not of Helena. Take not her part. For if thou dost intend never so little show of love to her, thou shalt abide it. Now she holds me not. Now follow, if thou darest, to try whose right of thine or mine is most in Helena. Follow? Nay, I'll go with thee, cheek by jowl. You, mistress, all this coil is long of you. Nay, go not back. I will not trust you. I no longer stay in your cursed company. Your hands than mine are quicker for a fray. My legs are longer, though, to run away. I am amazed and know not what to say. Yay! Uh. <laughs> Yay, well done, everybody. Well done. Wonderful. That was I terrific. I was laughing out loud. What, what, Gideon? 
You had me laughing out loud. I know. I was too, and I'm sure other people were. And that's one of the cruelties about Zoom is doing comedy in a void. You you can't hear any laughter. You don't get any. You don't get any response. You know. Uh, uh, it, it it's so hard because I, I'm I'm sure other people were laughing as well. It's just such a great scene, and you did it so well. And you know, the, one of the joys about doing Shakespeare, particularly comedy in Shakespeare is when you land a joke that people have been laughing at for 400 years. Yes. <laughs> 400 years they've been laughing at that joke. Yeah. You know, audiences have heard that joke for four centuries, and they've laughed at the same place. I mean, it's 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 extraordinary. It, it really is. Uh, and and I, I just, as I was watching it, I, I suddenly was struck by how... <laughs> You know how difficult in the present circumstances it is to be doing this scene on Zoom in a void without getting any audience response. You know, uh, it, it it just seems doubly cruel. <laughs> it, it really, it really does, and uh, uh, just lovely, really well done. You really terrific, Jamie. I even lost my picture part way through, <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> Going to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Just the camera. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I actually, uh, for some reason, I couldn't get all four of you on my screen in, you know, in, in boxes. So I had, I, I had, I would, uh, uh, highlight, uh, spotlight one of you, uh, as, as it would go sort of back and forth and back and forth. So I could, I could focus on one person who was speaking and, because then at one point I had Angie spotlighted for quite some time and it that was fascinating. The idea that you, you focus on a character, which you would never do on stage, but you right. just focus on a, on an actor or character and just watch them respond. Yeah. You're not looking where the focus is supposed to be. You're just looking at that actor and that character and how they're responding to what's happening and whether they're really engaged or, or not. You know, or whether they've checked out because they know that the focus isn't on them. <laughs> yeah, I'm how'd they do? <laughs> no hiding. When uh -huh. the focus isn't on you, you're just like blank. You know, like, yeah. somebody's looking at me. They're looking at the, oh, now I'm on. <laughs> Well, uh, yes, yeah, I, I'll echo, uh, uh, congrats everybody. It was, it was a great scene and there were some, uh, uh, at, at kind of best we can do, there were, there were some applause emoticons flying around. So you, you okay. did, you did get the, uh, uh, you know, the, the response from the crowd. And, and yeah, Jamie, there was one moment where I saw, I was watching Michael, uh, just responding. I think it was the part where, uh, uh, Helena speaks about all the things Demetrius had, had, had done to him in the past. And, and, uh, and it was great that you had a, had an opportunity to really watch everybody, you know, in the scene and, and just see how does everybody respond to it. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, you know, and just to fill in people a little bit more, I mean, you know, these, these weeks have really been about, you know, trying different things and, and, um, you know, even, you know, going through different exercises all on this, this crazy medium here. Um, and what I love is that, because we really only can do the text, it, it makes the text that much clearer. And I, and I, I'm myself listening to the scene over the last few weeks. 
uh, it was still so clear and I was still hearing new things and I was still following it. Like it just made sense. And I love the point, Jamie, that you brought up at the top that a lot, sometimes a lot of that can get lost in the physicality of the scene. Um, and so I think, I think that's really, uh, I thought it was really great. Um, you know, I, 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 um, I, I can launch into some questions, but, uh, you know, I, I want, if you guys want to work on anything that that's fine, but if you, if you're happy with, uh, the, the scene as is, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's wonderful too. Well, I mean, gosh, we could, you know, you, you, we could <laughs> on it forever, couldn't we? I mean, you, it would never end. You know, there's always something to find. That's the glory of it. That's that's the the true magic and mysticism and glory of Shakespeare is that there's always something to find. Yeah, there's always something new. There's always something, you know, that you personally can find, and also in context, uh, uh, in relation to the person you're working on the scene with. You know, and in this case, there's four of us, and these four people have never done this scene before. You know, and it, and I always say this by, by definition, it's definitive because these four people have never done this scene before, and so it's definitive. You know, and we could we could work on it. You could just keep working on it, and it will. We would find new things all the right. time. Right. Well, um, I, I would uh, I would love to hear uh, you know from some of the actors. Uh, you know, what, uh, either maybe any, uh, ideas or, or expectations you might've had coming into this and, and things that you discovered, uh, you, you know, uh, however much experience you had with, with Shakespeare or Midsummer specifically, what you kind of learned about this, uh, because there were certainly things I learned about the scene and about these characters relationships and their histories based on the work uh, that you guys did and brought to life. So I, I'd love to hear from any of the actors uh, you know, what your kind of takeaways or experiences were with the scene. Well, I've played it a couple times and it was kind of fun to have all the words in there <laughs> <laughs> because that long speech of hers about, uh, the, to the two and the needle and right, the, the cherries, two, yeah, is usually like trimmed down to like half. Mm. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it's been so long since I've been able to do Shakespeare on stage for various reasons, but it's so wonderful to realize, as you were saying, there's so much more to mine, Jamie. There's so much more to find. There's so much more to learn. There's so many little things you could pick at and, and, and Gideon, you brought so much to the dramaturgy of it in which learning about what the implications of the love juice is and what it, the truth that it brings out as opposed to for some, as opposed to others or, or different relationships. Um, so, you know, I just, I learned a lot and you can never stop learning. <laughs> I think uh, bringing back to a point that Jamie made earlier about this being like a very physical scene and having done it, like I, I remember the the physicality of it and it being a lot of, a lot of fun, but doing it this time, it's, it's like a, it's like rhetorical acrobatics, I think is what kind of hits me. Like I've never focused so, so much on just like where the double antithesis is and then having to like hear, hearing just how each individual actor is taking this thing and like lifting this up a little bit and like how much detail just goes into just that rhetorical aspect of it. It was, it's a joy. It's fantastic for me. The, the direction was great um, to be looking through and just always looking for any evidence 
for a turn, for to to do something a little bit differently, to change the voice and to listen to the direction to the other actors too, and to hear the changes that happened for them. It, it was just, it, I mean, it, it was such a rich atmosphere. I'm really, really grateful. I hope I got some of it across. <laughs> You got a lot of it across. I just Once or wanna, twice. <laughs> I want to commend everybody for such a wonderful performance. First of all, the amount that it's grown since we started is just fabulous. And secondly, and dear to my heart, I'm always telling you, as you know, that in Shakespeare's time, people went to hear a play um, rather than see it. They saw it too, obviously, but the main thing was the language. And you proved tonight that uh, it's all you need, Zoom or no Zoom, uh, the language does the work. So I just hope that everybody who goes back onto the stage, once we can get back to the stage, remembers that there's all this rhetorical richness going on when the director's pushing around the stage and blocking the second day. Um, <laughs> it, it pays to spend a little time on the text. <laughs> well, you know, Gideon, I have to say, uh, this may be a benefit coming out of the pandemic in working on Shakespeare that maybe you should spend some time on Zoom just working on the text before you actually get into the room and start working on the physicality of it. I I completely agree. I mean, you can work in person or on Zoom. It doesn't matter as long as you spend some time on the text. I mean, and, I was in a production of Lear several years ago, and we didn't do any table work at all. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, I, yeah. And, and, and I, I think that could turn out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, I think that's your answer. It, it was oh. not deep. It's not fair to ask that question in public, is it? Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I can't, I can't, yeah. No, well, no, I mean, no, it's, I, I apologize. No, no, no. I, well, I, I think, I, I think what it, what it gets at is at a, at a certain level, whether or not it's, it's proper or not, it's, it's just expected, well, the actors are doing all that work on their own. And, and I think what, what we see here and, and, and what we've seen here is that it, it's so helpful to have someone else listening and have someone else working through. So whether or not an actor is experienced with, with Shakespeare's text, it just to have that other set of ears and eyes on it, uh, it can be so invaluable because they'll just, they'll pick up things that, that you wouldn't have seen that first day, you know, that, as you're working through it yourself. And, um, Jamie, I wanted to ask, since you've done, you've worked on Midsummer so, so much and in many different ways, uh, were there, th were there new things you found or, or things that you had thought about before that you were able to explore, you know, in this, uh, in, in this working of it? Yeah. Well, you know, you're always, uh, at the mercy of, to a degree of designers, mm. you know, and what, ha what decisions have been made by directors and designers before you even get to the room. You know, I mean, I, I, I did one production at Smith College where uh it was like an MC Escher uh mm. uh design. And that's one of the things about Midsummer Night's Dream in, in its parameters of you know the variance what you can do you know in creating the world, you know. I mean, you need the court and you need the forest. And what is that forest? What happens, you know, what's that environment? And the, so so 
in terms of the the structuring of the play within the context of 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 decisions that have been made about the space and what uh, 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 challenges there are as a result of that dictates a lot. You know, you you have to be creative about what you have in in the space. Um, so that being said, you know, you, you want the, the there are certain aspects about the nature of the text of Midsummer Night's Dream that are just inherent. And if you have a good dramaturge like Gideon, or you have you know that that is clear about the rhetorical aspects of of the play. You're going to get a lot of that, but oftentimes you can, the, the physicality can take over. Um, um, I remember one of the times that I played Puck, uh, for example, uh, uh, when uh, Oberon sent me off to get the flower, he hit me in the back and we were on the deck and I fell through a trap door into the basement. This was in Ashland of, at the Elizabethan Theater. And in the time it takes, which is about, I would say, 30 seconds or so before Puck returns with the flower, I ran from the bottom of the, of the Elizabethan all the way up to the musician's gallery. <laughs> And I had, I had everybody clear the space so that I could get up there and appear in the musician's gallery above. And, you know, it, it elicited a new from the audience because it looked like magic. And I, you know, knew that it didn't matter if I was panting because in the Elizabethan space at the, in Oregon, nobody could tell. You know, I just had to be able to get the language out. Here it is. And I threw this, this parachute of the flower that came down and floated down into Oberon's hand. Now, <laughs> that was something that we came up with at the time, you know, and the delivery of the flower of Puck to Oberon has been done a billion different ways, you know, tens of thousands of different ways, you know, depending on the circumstances, you know. So, so again, um, you know, there's, Nathan, that's a loaded question because anybody that's read Simon Callow's book, I Am Actor, whatever that thing is about how great he was as an actor, but at the end of it uh, is a wonderful uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, essay about the difficulty of actors coming into a circumstance of a production where all the decisions, decisions have been made before you get there. And then you have to plug yourself into the capacity of, of the directors uh, and the designers that have already made all the decisions about the world. You know, it's like, I'm so excited to play Caliban, but now I realize well, I'm going to do it on roller skates and a tutu. <laughs> How do I wrap my head around yeah. that? You know what I mean? How do I, so, so it, and in this play, particularly, depending on what decisions have been made, uh, you kind of have to adjust and then also get the text out. 
Well, so I, it sounds like, and I would, I would hope this were the case that at least with this format, we kind of, we're starting with a, a blank stage to, to use that metaphor that, that you guys can really just, you know, you, you don't have all of those, uh, impositions or, or limitations, uh, and you can really just focus on the story. I mean, I, it, I, I won't claim to be any kind of expert about this play, but it was so fascinating to hear the, the clarity brought to life of the relationship between Helen and Hermia and, and just what their relationship had been like, you know, in, in their younger days and, and then, uh, Helena turning on Hermia and, and all this kind of stuff that it, I mean, and, and that's, you only get that if the actors are, are, are making text clear and it's not muddied up, uh, you know, with, hair pulling or, or pushing or, or whatever. So uh, I thought it was really, uh, I, I, again, I really love how, how clear you guys were able to, to make all the relationships and the dynamics. Um, I'll mention, uh, since we still have a number of people, uh, if you guys uh, listening uh, have any questions, you can either uh, raise your hand. Um, there is a little Zoom uh, a chat, a Zoom feature to, to raise your digital hand. Uh, or you can put questions in the Zoom chat box and, uh, you know, we can take some of those. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I'm sure with this group, we could just kind of keep chatting, uh, all evening, but, uh, just wanted to give some other people, uh, a chance to ask any questions if they did have any. Um, can they put their cameras on? Uh, they, they could if they, if they'd like to. Yeah. Uh, it, we, the, the stage is large enough. We can, uh, we can accommodate, uh, we can accommodate more. So yeah, if people, if people want to put their camera on and, um, ask a question. That's, that's certainly fine too. Um, as, as people are, are either, you know, thinking of questions or, or whatnot, um, I want to ask, uh, because some people may not know part of the focus of these workshops is, uh, to connect actors, whether they're in the, you know, uh, beginning years, beginning decade of their career or new to acting, uh, to connect them with people that have been working in this business for, for decades and, and really lifelong professionals. And so that's been really fun with this medium that you can connect people that otherwise due to geography or time zones or, or whatever, uh, you just might not have been able to do otherwise. And, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious if, uh, you know, either uh, Garrett or, or Maggie, uh, as the actors who, who signed up to be part of this, uh, you know, your experience of, getting to work with, uh, you know, uh, Jamie and Michael or Angie, just, you know, what, what it's been like, uh, for you guys to, uh, hopefully I would think, uh, you know, have this experience, especially during this time that, uh, might not have uh, happened otherwise. Oh, it's just been incredibly rich. As I said, working with everybody and, um, and Ursula too. I wanted to give a shout mm. uh, for the voice coaching. That was just. I mean, every every single thing that comes up, it's it's just like wow. <laughs> There's wow. This is so great. Wow. This is so great. There's something else on top of it, and something else on top of it. And I just learned an incredible amount. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think to echo, you know what. Maggie said, like, it's just a, it's a very rich experience. And I think it's something that's like, it is, can be very sorely lacking when you're starting a theater career of, you know, people who have been doing this and are so experienced at it. Uh, it's just such a joy to, to get that experience at the table and see how somebody approaches the text or somebody approaches a note or somebody brings something to the table and, 
it's just very, it's very valuable. I, I, I've really appreciated it. Great. Great. Um, I, I will uh, mention, uh, again, for, uh, anybody who's listening, uh, attending, if, if they want to attend the other evenings, I'll just drop a link into the zoom chat. If you want to sign up for the other evenings, we have uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have more scenes, uh, uh, Julius Caesar, King John, and as you like it. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. Any, um, any other, uh, things come to mind for any of you guys that you wanted to share about this process or, you know, working on this. And again, if, if people listening have any questions, you'll feel free to jump in. I just want to say I've been going to the other rehearsals and they are really worth it. I hope people take advantage and go see them because they're just incredible scenes. It's really, really fun. Well, they've, they've been saying the same thing about this night. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's all, uh, yeah, everybody's in good company. They really are all wonderful scenes. And as, as Gideon mentioned, you know, you just, even with, you know, wonderful actors, you see how much it grows over, or, you know, over just a month, just yeah. meeting for a couple hours each week. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary how much, uh, you know, you guys all bring to it. So, uh, it's, it's great. Well, if the audience, uh, is, uh, satiated, then, then that is okay too. Um, let's see, I'm just going to put in one final note here. Uh, and, and, uh, what I can do is, uh, I can move, uh, all the actors back into the main, or I can move everybody, uh, attending into the kind of the waiting room again. But I do want to make sure that if you have a question, you feel like you had an opportunity to ask that question. And if you don't, that's okay too. Uh, but I will just mention one more time. I'm sure I spelled this right. Uh, another link I just dropped in there is the coaching link. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can see a number of the people, uh, that are here tonight and plus, uh, uh Ursula Meyer, uh, that Maggie mentioned, uh, was uh, doing some voice coaching with us. And she's actually the head of graduate acting at UCSD is, is, as I heard, literally interviewing students, uh, right now over Zoom in another room, uh, for their, for their grad program. So, uh, she was a, a huge, huge help and, uh, I'm very grateful to her, uh, and, uh, and at she that link. Sorry, uh, she couldn't make it, Nathan. She, she really was. I, well, yes. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I, she was here in spirit. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, if, if people are interested, they can, they can check out that page and, uh, you know, look at, uh, uh, getting some time with, uh, you know, one of the many artists we've been able, we've been lucky and fortunate to, to work with. So, um, all right. Well, one more, one more round of questions or a call for questions. Sorry. You know, people are just saying thank you and they're, they're looking forward to the other scenes. So good, good. Uh, all right. This is Danny. I haven't been able to uh, organize myself here yet, but hey, Danny, <clears throat> I would just like to say uh, I appreciate watching all of the parts that have happened. Knit. To, I had no idea what a dramaturge did until I watched Gideon this past couple of weeks doing his thing, and he did such a fabulous job of it that I I thought, well, okay, am I now spoiled? Uh, <laughs> But then the voice coach came in and that made more completion. And, uh, so I thank you all for, uh, letting me be the fly on a wall, uh, to, to watch this stuff happening. Well, uh, thank you, Danny. No, we're, 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 we're glad that you uh, could be part of it. And, uh, the, the, the sad truth is, uh, Gideon probably did ruin Shakespeare for you in a good way because you'll, you'll never hear it the same way again. I remember taking a film class in college and, you know, they're pointing out all the different things that a director can do. And he said, I'm sorry, you'll never be able to watch a movie the same way. 
So, uh, similarly, there's, there's just so much that now, uh, you can appreciate that goes into it. So it's, uh, your, 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 your bar for Shakespeare has been raised, which is, uh, which I think is a good bar. Yes. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Very, you're very welcome. Um, all right. Well, is that it? I think that's it. Uh, uh, actors and artists, you guys can stay put and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll move everybody else into the waiting room or as people drop off, that makes it easier too. So thank you again, everybody, for uh, attending. And thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, everybody. Hey, it's Nathan here one more time. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love going back. I mean, every time I watch these, I'll learn something new. Uh, the work is just so fantastic and so deep. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. So I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, and like I said, the plan is to roll out more of these. So please stay tuned to the podcast, uh, or YouTube. Um, you know, I'll really, I'm really making an effort to, uh, you know, put more of this out there and not just, uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not on the email list, go to workingactorsjourney.com. Um, that is usually, uh, where you will find out first about things that are coming up. You know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is, again, going to be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com. It's free to sign up. You can even get uh, a resource. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Uh, some of the uh, best advice from, I think, the first two seasons of the show uh, in a PDF. So you get that immediately when you uh, sign up. You get that free. And then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing. So that is it. Hope you're having a great rest of your day. Look forward to sharing more with you soon. And take care. I'm Nathan Agan, and enjoy the journey.